in December of 2013, uh, we lost a young man who who was treated very badly uh, at the clinic, and he he all efforts to get him back to the clinic proved abortive. Uh, we couldn't force him. We had to respect his his decision mm. uh, not to go to the facility. But it was a painful experience to watch him die an avoidable death because he did not want to be to to be treated as as less human you know uh, by healthcare providers and other service providers you're listening to a chonye bartholomew boniface or obb to his friends and colleagues He helps severely stigmatized groups access essential services around Nigeria. This includes special focus on the LGBT population, drug users, sex workers. This is all at present under a program funded by the Heartland Alliance. It's it's very striking that this is a real calling in a non-permissive policy context. And we discuss and tease out a number of the implications of that. How do you work around a regressive legal framework or at a local level with often quite hostile religious and social institutions? How do you sustain motivation and momentum, particularly within the institution that you're leading during a period when all of the policy trends seem to be in the wrong direction? What has 18 years of doing this taught him about people and in particular about bureaucrats within that policy machinery that officially perhaps is not disposed to cooperate? This is One Step Forward. My name is Ian Quick. Let's get into it. Hi, Ian. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. You got delayed at O'Hara. Yeah, but I'm fully available for this um, interview. Good, good. We'll be done by the time Nigeria plays in uh, <laughs> around 45 minutes. Huh? We're actually looking for sports bars right now. <laughs> well, it might be tricky in the States, I don't know, but here, of course, it's World Cup everywhere you look, so it's hard to avoid it, even if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah it is different, actually. Right. Well, as always, the best place to start is at the beginning. How do you explain what you do for a living to someone you meet socially, say, at a, at a bar or at a wedding? Yeah, I mean, I do social work to ensure we create a world that is uh, more accommodating, a world that is open to the diversity within our humanity and brings out the best in people, uh, especially for those who suffer stigma and discrimination uh, for no fault of theirs, either because of their social affiliations or because of their sexual orientation or uh, they are just different from other people. These actually individuals or groups that face a lot of inhuman treatment, degrading treatment Mm -hmm. uh, by, you know, people generally, you know, state and non-state actors. And so the work I do with my team is to ensure we bridge that gap to to, to restore the dignity of individuals 
through advocacy, through ensuring that services are available mm-hmm. uh, for those who are in need of those services. And I guess that poses some particular challenges in the Nigerian context. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> in, in a country um, like Nigeria, which is one of the 75 countries that, um, that um, criminalize um, same-sex relationship, um, definitely, it's very challenging, and also in, in in Nigeria, the prevalence of HIV among the LGBT group, especially gay men, is is pretty high, as high as twenty two point nine percent, which is maybe four or five times yeah. higher than that in the general population. So. It's quite disturbing because for the country to move forward with the response, it might be difficult if this important group is left behind. And so, and it's it's actually very challenging because the, the, this group find it difficult to access services. So it's 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 important just to create safe spaces that ensures that these individuals have access to very important treatment. Um, and care, as as well as uh, other services that uh, makes it easy for them to stay on treatment, to achieve viral suppression, mm-hmm. and and be able to contribute to the their own well-being as well as the overall well-being of citizens in the country. So because of this stigma and discrimination, a lot of individuals. Uh, uh, find it difficult to access services. Actually, um, in December of 2013. Uh, we lost um, uh, uh, a young man who who was treated very badly uh, at the clinic, and he he all efforts to get him back to the clinic proved abortive. Uh, we couldn't force him; we had to respect his his decision mm. uh, not to go to the facility. But it was a painful experience to watch him die an avoidable death because he did not want to be. To, to be treated as as less human, you know, uh, by healthcare providers and other service providers who really do not uh, uh, um, um, give him the honor, the respect that he deserves, uh, mm-hmm. but rather look at who he is, you know, who he chose to to love or uh, uh, his his social. Uh, live, you know. So, and and this is just one of the so many examples, you know. Uh, uh, arrest, uh, a lot of arrest, extortion, you know, um, um, a lot of blackmail, um, hate crimes, mm-hmm. you know. You you if you recall in 2014 January there was this um, same sex marriage prohibition. Act, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that was signed by the government, yeah. and as a result of that, uh, actually a lot, a lot of um, hate crime, you know, happened. A lot of individuals uh, refused to go for their treatment because they they don't want to be arrested, uh, uh, um, and you you have lots and lots of arrest in that line, you know. And for sex workers, you know, also there's there's a lot of social discrimination against sex workers as well. So they are equally arrested, they are equally uh, um, treated uh, 
poorly uh, detained uh, and sometimes um, extorted, you know, uh, to be able to get their, their their freedom from 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 detention, you know. So so those experiences are really really um, um, terrible because these are individuals who are trying to to live their lives. They are trying to. I mean, they are not criminals. They are not looking for anybody's um, trouble, but they are basically um, trying to be who who they are, mm-hmm. you know. So facing those kind of challenging situations, um, especially by state actors, non-state actors, can be very disturbing. Yeah, and you said earlier um, that both of those sort of categories are relevant, um, state actors and non-state actors. And there's a legislative position, which is quite a, it's quite a recent one, actually. Um, but the social and cultural aspect uh, is obviously long-standing as well. What sort of uh, engagement are we talking about here? When you say safe spaces, I mean, how, how does one create such a space in the Nigerian context or in, in some of the Nigerian contexts? We work closely with the Ministry of Health. Uh, we work with the National Agency for the Control of AIDS um, to ensure that services are available in those um, um, safe spaces. And those safe spaces are also community clinics because they, we have doctors, we have nurses, we have um, psychologists and other uh, service providers who ensure that counseling is available, condoms, lubricants are available. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when um, members of the community or program participants and beneficiaries are arrested, we we also try to make sure that we engage with the police force to to look at things with a human face and try to, to consider these individuals as our brothers, our sisters, you know, uh, 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 and then treat them fairly, irrespective of what the the, the discriminatory laws and um, an unfriendly policy environment is. We we make progress to some extent, and I think one of the things we have done is to also train uh, members of the police force to understand gender and sexual diversity. But like you said, you know, is it's 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 also traditional that you know the 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 society has not gotten full um, acceptance of these groups and individuals that that we serve and so uh, if individuals from the society get into either the police force or the health sector or the judiciary they come with that value you know and those actually um, impairs uh, the decisions they make when they engage with this individual. So it's not very easy, but we are challenged constantly by 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 those realities. You know, from religious groups, from traditional institutions, from people that um, look at uh, morality, look at things from the uh, point of morality. Um, so so it's it's a constant challenge. But we try to engage as much as possible. We try to to, to provide sensitization as much as possible. But we also engage with the community itself to ensure that, you know, uh, they are also aware of the risk 
within, within the environment and they take proactive measure to ensure that they are safe. And also if they get into trouble, they also know who to speak to. Uh, we have lawyers on ground who are also able to provide uh, services to these community members from time to time. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess there are big differences uh, in sort of willingness to have that conversation between different parts of government, between different parts of the community. I guess you you must have to work up sort of a fairly sophisticated uh, advocacy or, or outreach or engagement strategy absolutely, in order to yeah. do this well. Yeah, absolutely, Ian. I mean, is it's not that easy even within <laughs> within the within the ministry of health within the national agency for the control of aids you you really have to identify who your allies are uh, uh, you really have to identify those who have this understanding of the human rights uh, based approach to interventions uh, even within the ministry of justice you 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 need to identify um, lawyers and individuals who who have a good understanding of human rights-based um, um, approach to services. Uh, we we also have the National Human Rights Commission, who have helped a lot in providing trainings uh, for the community members, as well as provide um, uh, access to, to support whenever they are arrested for, 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 for no just cause. You know, so it's 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 not very easy, but we have tried our best to identify individuals and institutions that are more supportive, that are more understanding of the human rights challenges that these uh, uh, minority groups face uh, from time to time. That's how we have been able to to deal with the with the issue. And most times, we use the data. Uh, provided by the government itself to do our high-level policy advocacy um, to to make things easier. You know, I, I didn't talk about the drug users, but you, you you also find out that the drug users are, are equally faced with similar challenges. You know, uh, you 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 find somebody who, as a result of the challenges within the society, resort to using drugs as a solution, probably to get some some rest or something and over time the person starts getting addicted and so these individuals to, to, to some extent are treated very poorly but we also say I think they need more support mm -hmm. they need more support and understanding than uh, than to criminalize them you know especially those who only just take these drugs for you know for recreation or for mm -hmm. you know as a kind of short-term solution to the stressors that they face on a daily basis and all of that. So there is a lot of engagement also with the drug law enforcement agencies, uh, as well as the, the, the police force, and uh, also advocacy to ensure that there are reviews and reforms to the laws so that people who actually use these drugs for medical purposes are spared. Uh, and then probably those they, they they face more of those who actually traffic these drugs and and um, move these drugs from one location to the other, you know. So those probably might make more sense as against individuals who use these drugs as part of solution to life's challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we tend to think of public health as a relatively 
wonky or, or technical kind of field to work in. But a lot of what you're describing is um, about sort of knowledge of the communities or subgroups or key population groups within the communities. It's about sort of detailed knowledge of who is who within national institutions. It's about relationships with uh, social religious institutions and much less sort of the I mean, the mechanics of providing care are there. But what you're describing is is sort of much broader than that, it yeah. sounds. And how do you sort of staff for that? Like how do you do that in a, in a practical sense when you're setting up your, your team across a country as diverse as Nigeria? That must be quite challenging to have that grasp of the local context. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an evolving thing. Mm-hmm. You know, initially when we started, we did not uh, envisage that the program was going to uh, grow and um, attain this uh, magnitude. Currently, our key population program is actually the largest in sub-Saharan Africa, and this is just within nine to ten years. That that understanding that we are all equal as human beings, irrespective of the challenges that we go through, all we need to do is to understand with each other, accept our differences, and be more supportive. Then the world will be a better place. The world will be very peaceful, and everyone will achieve and attain their full potentials, you know, uh, within their lifespan. You know, so we, we, we believe that if, if this is a common understanding across the board, irrespective of technicalities of um, public health or other forms of social services, if we have that basic common understanding that human beings are human beings and they need to be treated fairly and given due respect, then every other thing will fall in, in place. You know, every other thing will fall in place. For prevention intervention, you don't need to be technically sound to know that, you know, an individual who has uh, problematic drug use, for example, needs uh, rehabilitation, needs supportive treatment to ensure that they they, 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 they are treated. You know, you, you don't need to be technically sound to ensure that an individual who is feeling sick and needs the attention of a healthcare provider is able to access healthcare mm-hmm. services in a in a in a in a respectful and stigma free environment you know so we try to make it as basic as possible such that um we engage with the professionals who provide the technical services but the other social workers just create the platform you know to ensure that individuals who are at high risk are able to access these um, services. And it is different for different parts of the country because of our cultural diversity, our religious diversity, you know. So if, if you are implementing program in Kanu or in Lagos or in Akwaibom or Rivers, you have to factor in the, 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 the cultural context of those environments. So your stakeholders will be different for different locations. But the basic uh, minimum is the respect for human rights. Once that is sorted out, every other thing becomes a lot easier. And that is the difficult one. At a sort of fairly concrete level, I guess you're active in all or certainly most states at this point, but say you're working, you're moving into a 
a new part of the country and trying to establish uh, your work in, in, in that area. How would you go about that in the initial stages? Do you do sort of a formal stakeholder engagement strategy or do you have a, a process for that uh, kind of expansion? Yes, absolutely. So if we are going into a new environment, we have to engage with stakeholders most of the times as individuals. Mm -hmm. We do our intelligence gathering. We get uh, information about who is doing what, where, who is critical to the program we are doing. And then we engage with with those just to ensure that we have their buy-in, we have their support. And we also work with the community because we believe that if the community owns the program, they will make sure they demand uh, accountability from service providers. You know, so we empower the community and we, we build capacity, technical capacity, institutional capacity through trainings and also providing infrastructure to ensure that these community organizations are able to engage with the stakeholders, with the Ministry of Health, with the police force, with the drug law enforcement agencies, with the Human Rights Commission, you know, they are able to engage. It takes time. The average is between two to three years, Mm -hmm. you know, in each location to be able to get to a level where this community structures are built, these community organizations and individuals and groups are able to engage to that level, seek accountability, you know, be more assertive in terms of defending their human rights and forming pressure groups, you know, to to advance their cause, you know. So it takes, and we, we, we also have tools that we use to assess our progress, you know, at the initial stage, we do like a baseline to get benchmark inf- information and indicators that we'll monitor over time. Uh, six months, one year, periodically, we administer those tools to, to, to look at progress. So for some of the community organizations, they have actually reached a level where they even attract funding and support from uh, donor institutions, even sometimes from government institutions. Uh, for example, uh, one of the organizations we supported in in River State, uh, Initiative for Advancement of Humanity, uh, got to a, a point where they actually access um, uh, funding through the, the state agency for the control of AIDS, the World Bank um, um, funds that came through them to be mm-hmm. able to uh, support service delivery to uh, minority groups and vulnerable uh, uh, stigmatized populations within within the state. The implementation is organic. It responds to the needs that we meet on on ground. You know, so mm. so that that's that's um, basically how it is. Can you do that everywhere? Are there some places where the levels of of resistance uh, are higher, or there's a lack of interest, or where the conditions are otherwise just too difficult or have you been more or less able to do this everywhere in Nigeria? Yeah, the level of progress is different for (laughs) different, like I tell you, you know, I I gave you an average of um, two to three years, Mm -hmm. but I I can tell you some communities have taken like five to six years, Mm. 
you know, to be able to to gather momentum, you know, to be able to to to, to deliver, you know. Um, so it, it's not the same everywhere. Like recently, the um, uh, I think Benway State recently is considering passing the same law that was passed at the national level. And, you know, so once those kind of finitive laws are passed, I mean, exactly. <laughs> when we should be moving forward, sometimes it amazes us the kind of decisions that, you know, but again, politics, mm-hmm. sometimes the politics takes priority over critical issues that would advance our humanity. You know, I, I mean, I recall even in 2014 when the law was passed, you know, we were preparing for an election. Mm-hmm. And so probably the then government thought that, you know, uh, that would make them um, score cheap po- po- political point. Uh, unfortunately, they still lost the election. So we are going into another election next yeah. year. So it's it's going to be another interesting period for us and we have to be prepared for it, you know. So it's, it's the level of progress is different for different um, locations and even within the community itself, it's also different. You know, some communities are able to to to, to take on uh, more responsibility with speed uh, mm. than others. Can I ask how you got into this uh, sort of niche? I mean, it's been, uh, I don't know how many years. Um, it's been, <laughs> been at least 10 years, uh, I think, maybe considerably mm. more. <laughs> Mm-hmm. How did you how did you get into this sort of specific uh, set of issues? As an individual, I've been in this sector for eighteen years. Eighteen years. Yeah, and uh, but for Heartland Alliance, um, I I am six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in May thirty first, I was six years as country director for Heartland Alliance in Nigeria, mm-hmm. and you know, part of the of my my drive at at, at the beginning was the fact that I had a very close um, blood relatives that, you know, got infected with HIV. Mm -hmm. And um, at a time where, you know, accessing drugs was difficult, even diagnosis was a problem. Uh, And before you even get to know uh, your status, you know, a lot of damage has been done to the cells and tissues mm-hmm. and organs of the body. And so it was a painful one. And um, those kind of informed some of my decisions at the at the earlier stage. But over time, I also found out that, I mean, people suffer a lot of um, discrimination for, for just no fault of, of theirs, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I, I thought that the world would be a better place if individuals and groups are, 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 are supported to, to be who they need to be and to bring out the best in, in them, you know, especially for young people with so much potentials, you know, but probably because they are among either sexual minorities or they are people that adopt certain social behaviors they are either abandoned or they are uh, made more vulnerable either through uh, punitive laws and practices. And they end up actually becoming even more 
um, um, destructive both to themselves and to the society. So some of these made me to actually decide to go into this work that I'm doing currently. And you, you will be surprised, Ian, that we, we have met individuals that probably for six months or one year, nobody has said anything good to them. You know, nobody has said anything good to them. And some, sometimes they cry when they find out that we have a heart that truly cares about them, irrespective of the challenges that they go through, irrespective of the discrimination they face, irrespective of the of the hate, the amount of hate that the society has for them. You know, some of some individuals actually burst out um, in tears. You know, so for me, my greatest moment, you know, is that moment where you are able to put a smile on somebody's face and make the person believe in him or herself that they are able to contribute not just to their their lives but to the society in many positive ways. I I I I I I met a sex worker who um, was actually like street based, mm-hmm. and today this sex worker is somebody that gives hope to so many others, you know. So so those kind of transformation that happen right before us in short time, some of these transformations take two years, three years, four years, and you see massive transformation. You see people who were using, who had problematic drug use, and now they are back to school, some of them reconciling with their families and taking own responsibility to to move on with 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 their lives and you have also members of the lgbti community that you know suffer a lot of stigma and discrimination and today some of them are are, are really taking responsibility for themselves and for the community and contributing significantly to the progress of their families and themselves as individuals you know so for me those are my most fulfilling um moments do you get to do much sort of direct client contact like that? And your job must be mostly sort of managerial, right? Do you manage mm-hmm. to keep space for that sort of thing? Yeah, that's one of the challenge with growth. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I, I still miss those days where I spend, you know, 70% of my time with the community directly. But, you know, I... I I'm also happy that I'm able to get to a point where I contribute to policy decisions that will ensure that the individuals within the community are able to uh, have access to to services in a sustained in a sustainable way. Truly, I miss that time, but I still find the opportunity each time I have it to engage. You know, it's easy now because of the social media platforms. I'm on WhatsApp directly with some of my, uh, some of the community members, you know, either sex workers or LGBTI or people who use drugs. We engage, you know, we exchange ideas, you know, they ask questions. We, I try to be there as, as uh, much as possible, not as much as I would have loved, but also the, the fact that my my responsibility as 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 a leader as somebody who has to engage with 
um, higher level stakeholders to to create that enabling environment is is a conflict, you know, between that. But I have also, um, how do I put it? I have also shared this vision, mm-hmm. you know, to a very large extent. The team I work with in Nigeria is so awesome. They are so um, neck deep into into this work because they see that they find fulfillment in doing this. So I reach them not directly now, but through them, but uh, through my colleagues uh, uh, in the country. I try to still be in touch. Like on the 31st of May, we had a big event called the Open House. And that Open House event brought a wide variety, a wide range of stakeholders. And um, 18, 18 community organizations that we have supported over the years were in that meeting and they were fully represented by members of the community. And so it was a great time of, you know, um, engaging with them and to showcase the progress and the success of uh, the work we have done uh, in the last nine, ten years. Uh, It was an amazing uh, moment for for me as well. It's quite a long time to be working on on these issues have you changed your you know 10 or or even 18 years have you changed your thinking over that time have you sort of adapted and evolved as you've uh tried things and and had successes and failures do you have sort of major lessons or or um points of learning i guess over that time yeah absolutely i I think one of the important lesson I've learned over this period is that you you don't want to look down on anybody. You don't want to take anyone for granted, mm-hmm. you know, because um, individuals who are down today, if given a, a, an opportunity, can, can, can become great leaders, can become powerful influencers, and can can become agents of change, not just for themselves, but for 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 the community, you know. Um, and one other thing also is that leadership is a shared responsibility. You know, leadership is a shared responsibility, and so the more leaders you have uh, in a particular uh, environment, the more successful you are. Because you don't have to be there for things to work. You only have to share your vision in a responsible and respectful manner. And then people will run with it. Whether you are there or not, it will spread just like wildfire in a very positive way, you know. And then you, you see changes continue to, 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 to move on. The other lesson I have learned is if you have shown success in a particular area where people are scared, you find out that you are not the only one interested mm. in in mm. making that difference. But a lot of people are held back. A lot of organizations are held back because of the fear of the unknown. But once Heartland Alliance was able to show the way that it is possible to work with criminalized population, it is possible to provide uh, respectful services to 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 people who are different to minority groups. You now have a lot of interest from different organizations and bodies who are beginning to 
uh, uh, show interest and also working in in the in the area of um, ad- advancing the the quality of life of key populations within 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 the country. W- one other important lesson for me also is the fact that yes, there are laws, yes, there are policies, but if we also engage strategically with service providers, be it government, be it social uh, uh, development workers, you will be able to find that there is a way out. Not everyone has the mindset of, mm. of, of implementing those punitive laws. There are individuals that will be able to, to still walk around the human rights issues in a very responsible way. You know, so so that those those are, are some of the things I've learned um, over time, and also maybe just to quickly add that if 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 you have a program that is organic and 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 responsive to the needs of the people that you serve, that project tends to grow and evolve and blossom, and and actually achieves a lot mm. as against uh, being straight jacketed uh, and saying you know my work is just to provide condoms and lubricants for example uh, anything outside that I'm not able to to do that but if you are open then the project will grow and as the project grows you will even get more support you will get more support because it is a genuine growth some of these needs are expressed, some of the needs are observed, some of the needs just emerge. And once they emerge and you start thinking about it and you want to respond to it, your creativity challenges your innovation, it challenges your creativity and makes you think outside of the box and makes you reach out to additional stakeholders and then expand the scope uh, of, of, of your work. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of a lot of sense, particularly the point about Going first, I think, is um, is quite interesting. That uh, you know there is latent interest um, or latent um, you know empathy there mm. that can be tapped when you when you create a an environment where it uh, is possible. Con- con- conversely, not you know necessarily your current job, obviously, but have we made you know. Have service providers, have sort of well-meaning people made mistakes historically with in trying to work with these kind of marginalized or, um, you know, discriminated against population groups? Uh, are there mistakes that we, we still make that you uh, are conscious of and, and, and try to avoid? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the very common mistakes we do is the choice of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know we use which sometimes amount to labeling mm-hmm. uh, uh, individuals as against seeing them primarily as human. Once you place those labels, it distorts the whole thinking about you know interventions and um, decision making as far as those individuals uh, are concerned. The assumption. Sometimes when you when you assume things like you make an ass of the whole thing, you know, because, for example, 
the assumption that sex workers are into sex work because they don't have alternatives mm -hmm. to, to generating income is a very costly assumption. You know, I, I mean, I have known sex workers who have been into sex work for 10 years. And I mean, these are people that are educated. These are people that have been to school. These are people that, you know, you, there is nothing you can bring to these people to say, look, this is an alternative source of income for you. Stop sex work. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you approach your programming with that assumption, then you are bound to fail. But if you are, approach the program with an open mind, then you are more likely going to succeed. And actually, eventually, even those sex workers... Like the example I gave you, some of them do not necessarily even um, sell sex anymore. Mm -hmm. But they, they are still proud to be called sex workers. Mm -hmm. And we have to respect them for that. We have to, to treat them as equal human beings just the way they are. We treat other professionals. The, the kind of approach we were talking about earlier, has that been possible in this sort of environment? Has it been possible to create those uh, sort of safe spaces that you described for service provision and uh, for access of, you know, perhaps stigmatized or marginalized groups in that environment that's a bit more, you know, fluid and a bit more violent and, and maybe a bit trickier? I, I would tell you, Ian, it's um, it's, 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 <laughs> it's very complicated. It's it's it's, it's sure. very complicated. You know, yeah. um, we did an assessment um, in 2016, mm -hmm. and you know, the, the the assessment was done in I think um, nine IDP in, uh, internally displaced persons camps in Meduguri. And it brought out a lot of these issues that you have raised. You know, most folks are more interested, even the state emergency management agencies, the national emergency management agencies, they are more interested in the physical needs yeah. of, of, of the people, you know. But there are psychological needs, there are emotional needs, there are mental health challenges uh, uh, that people face on a daily basis. And so... In the midst of all of this, you also have the minority groups, the sexual minority. You also have people that have, you know, issues with drug use. You know, so you have, you have, you know, mothers uh, that have not seen their children for four or five years, husbands or wives that have not seen their spouses for so many years. Mm -hmm. And so definitely it is more complicated than what we have in other parts of of the country so at the moment there is a lot of interest but in terms of actual progress i i, I am afraid we we still have a long way to go mm -hmm. we definitely have a long way to go last year or earlier in the year, um, the UNODC, United Nations Office on, on Drugs and Crime, okay. um, uh, put out an, 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 a call for proposal to just because there, there is evidence that there is high level of drug use in those um, camps, in the, in the, in, in the uh, internally displaced persons camps. Uh, uh, and those are going on without any form of intervention and you know the risk increases 
you know, like for HIV, the risk increases. You know, there is there are issues around sanitation. You know, there are issues around water, availability of water, uh, uh, and and all of those issues at the same time. You know, so right now there is more emphasis on you know meeting those physical needs, but as 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 the violence you know um, reduces. Um, the environment becomes a bit more friendly for service providers, social workers, humanitarian um, um, experts to come in. A lot of these issues will emerge, and we will have to deal with with them as as we as we go on. Because there are specialized healthcare needs for women, for mm-hmm. men, for children. And for LGBT persons, you know, uh, uh, and so on. So we will have to be able to address those. There's sort of two levels here um, that we've mentioned. There's the the level of sort of service provision and working at um, the level of particular communities in order to ensure that individuals can access the things they need to access. And then there's sort of the you know the macro policy or the legal institutional level, and it. Sounds like there hasn't been huge progress in that regard. Um, is it a matter of finding space, sort of within the existing legal policy framework, or has there been progress over you know the last decade uh, in terms of the that bigger picture policy environment? Because it sounded the way you described it, it sounded a little uh, stagnant or even negative. Yeah, I mean it's it's what makes the entire difference in what we are discussing. If if we have a friendly policy environment, we would definitely make more progress. Mm-hmm. Right? But if if the policy environment is 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 unfriendly, if if, if the policy environment is challenging, mm-hmm. then it will affect everything. It will affect everything. Like for example, even Currently, as we as we discuss, some of the progress we have made is because we've taken significant amount of risk. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in meetings where, you know, we're talking about the rights of the minority groups and all of the populations that face discrimination. And, you know, somebody would tell me that you have to be careful, otherwise you can be arrested after this meeting, you may not get home. You know, we've had issues where colleagues of mine are picked up i mean these are service pro- these are people professionals who are providing services to the community picked up you know and ask questions and sometimes even you know locked up mm-hmm. you know so 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 it's because of the 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 the, the policy environment you know based on some of the uh, punitive laws and some of the laws that really need to to, to 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 change so there is there is there is a high need for um, legal reform but beyond those laws there are social norms mm. you know within the the society which is influenced by either tradition or religion that we also need to consider you know because once individuals are labeled as um, sinners or are labeled mm-hmm. as people, who are not normal in quote mm-hmm. then it it, it 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 affects relationships with those individuals which 
further complicates their lives, especially the the minority groups, sexual minority and other 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 minority groups. So those also are part of the of the different challenges that we we, we still face. And I think there is also inadequate capacity to deal with some of these 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 challenges. So so for example in healthcare services it's important to know that the needs of a transgender person, let's say a trans woman, for example, her needs are completely different from the needs of 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 a woman that is 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 is, is not is not a transgender. Mm-hmm. So for healthcare providers, there also needs to be a lot more. I mean, there there is need for a review of the <laughs> curriculum for training healthcare providers. You know, so it can it can integrate these diversities and specialized needs of individuals within the society. So there is need for education. There is need for for a more friendly legal uh, policy environment, mm-hmm. which influence practices. You know, especially for for professionals. You know. Uh, and and there's need for decriminalization of human beings you can't move forward as as i mean this is the 21st century uh, i mean you can't move forward by undermining the the the, hum, the, the, the our common humanity yeah. whatever the reason is so so th- those those are, are are very broad areas that require more attention but but i think if if we are if we are committed to it and we have more sincerity from governments policy makers at various levels lawmakers at various levels service providers at various levels we will definitely make progress the same-sex marriage prohibition act in, mm-hmm. in 2014 mm-hmm. i mean that's 2014 that must have been a uh you know, after working in, in this space for a number of years, that must have been a massive blow for you personally to have this yeah. legislation go through. That must have been hard. Yeah, it it definitely was. Um, it definitely was. Shortly after that, we've had increased level of hate crime mm-hmm. in one of the communities, just like 15 minutes drive from... Abuja, twelve to fourteen LGBT persons were were attacked on the fifteenth of uh, February, twenty fourteen. You know, just few weeks after the the law, I mean, the bill was signed into into law and it became an act. And what they were saying, um, and there were forty to fifty um, young people that came out to attack. These individuals in the middle of the night, I mean, like 2 a.m., mm. moving from one house to the other in the name of cleansing the community. Mm. I mean, those those are things that we really don't want to keep remembering, you know. Uh, uh, those are times where you, you, you would hardly find um, individuals who ordinarily would come to the centers to access services 
it became difficult for them because even at some point, even Heartland Alliance was struggling to regain the trust and the confidence because the law was was subject to all kinds of interpretation. You know, yeah, the law was against same-sex marriage, but how many, how many, you know, bisexual or gay men or women in the country are asking for mm. legalization of marriage or... Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, with all due respect, the engagement we've had over time, that was the least of 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 the challenge. People just want to live their lives. People just want to be themselves. People just want to achieve, you know, results. People want to move forward. But that law definitely was a huge a blow. To, to 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 all of of the human rights issues that um that 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 we 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 we, we talk about um in the country but but I, I think what it also amounted to do was to uh create more avenues for for extortion for arrest for all kinds of implementation of that which is really really um, appalling Mm. Yeah, it must be hard to um, stay motivated, uh, you know, at that time, both yourself personally and try and lead others and encourage others to stay motivated. Mm-hmm. I know at some point the the director general of the National Agency for the Control of AIDS has to, because we did a lot of advocacy to, to him, uh, discussions to just let him know the implication mm. of those laws uh, within the country. And he put out a press release, a, a press statement, you know, that indicated that, you know, uh, irrespective of the law, that um, um, LGBTI persons are supposed to access services without discrimination and that the law does not prohibit service provision for, for them. I mean, that was quite encouraging for a top government official to put out that press release. Um, it was encouraging. But um, this is three years down the line, mm-hmm. three to four years. Yeah, and we, we are still dealing with it. But um, I don't know when all of it will, will end hmm. but we are not we are, we, it's still very challenging it's still very very challenging and on a daily basis we are faced with the realities of constant arrest you know constant hate crimes you know we are, we are faced on a daily basis with that a lot of community members live in fear you know we used to have groups you know we used to have small groups that come together to share experiences and also share ideas and support just basically like support each other from time to time all of that is compromised to a very large extent you know because you don't want to be targeted you don't want to draw attention to yourself you know, so all we could do now is to ensure that the safe spaces we have 
are able to provide you know a variety of interventions that will still make people to to get the best you know out of the uh, situation that we find ourselves but um that law was definitely it wasn't um, it wasn't good for us at all no well i, I guess um now that you're sort of focused at the at the policy level and on the managerial side it must make it feel like a- that was a difficult day at the office, let's say. It must have been uh, quite demotivating for you personally. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. But every day we 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 want to stay strong. Mm-hmm. We, we want to stay hopeful. And we want to take advantage of every small ray of light mm-hmm. uh, and just make the best of it while it lasts. Uh, while we look forward to a future where all of this will be a thing of the past, I want to believe that I don't know if it will happen in our lifetime, but we will we will do our best while we are still here. We'll do our best while we are still while we are still here. Hopefully, the next generation will be able to make more progress, building on some of our modest achievement. As you say, the small rays of light, right? Celebrate those. <laughs> one, one last question. I ask this to everybody. You know, against that background, is there a book or a publication or, or a person that has been very influential for you and that you would recommend to others? I, I think the, the Audacity of Hope oh, yeah. by Barack Obama, of course. Um, former president. <laughs> of the United States of America really gave me a lot of hope, a lot of uh, encouragement. It it made me it it made me believe against all odds that definitely we we can have a humble background. We can we can have a lot of struggles, but at the end, at the end we 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 can have a lot to, to to celebrate irrespective of the of the challenges and difficulties that we go through where that yes we can spirit for me is 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 highly highly um energetic it it's it's like a moral booster and like pumps up a lot of adrenaline in a positive way for me very good and you're not just saying that because you're in Chicago right now. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, uh, well, it's coincidentally <laughs> front of mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I I have that on my bookshelf. It's uh, mm. refreshingly non-cynical as um, as these things go. All right, very good. Uh, listen, I, I have taken uh, a lot of your time already. Is there anything you wanted to add that I I didn't sort of touch on and you had in mind? One thing that I want to quickly add is the fact that the global community should take a lot more interest in providing support for developing countries that are still struggling with those policies and practices that have held us down. Mm -hmm. And they should see it as a moral imperative to to, to address those issues. Otherwise, the world will 
continue for longer in the struggle for emancipation, in the struggle for achieving the, um, the sustainable development goals mm-hmm. of the United Nations. And I, I believe the U.S. government, you know, um, the U.K., they are trying a lot. They've played key role, but I think there is a lot of apathy. The the support is is dwindling, is reducing, mm-hmm. and you will be sure that as long as this support continues to go down, there will be increase in impunity. There will be increase in injustice in and in the developing countries. So if if there is anything, I I would really. Uh, want to talk about from time to time is to to crave the indulgence of the developed countries to sustain their support, you know, for 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 the developing countries to be able to address those human rights uh, 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 issues as well as other social, uh, economic and um, mm. political development issues that all together uh, make people more vulnerable. Mm. Indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you for making the time. Huh? It's uh, A, a Saturday. B, you're traveling. <laughs> C, it's the middle of the World Cup, so I do appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much, Ian. Yeah, Thanks for the opportunity as well. To... No, of course. My pleasure. Huh? My pleasure. No, it's really interesting, and I've worked sort of more in very conflict-affected places, so it's it's always very interesting for me to hear a perspective um, that's sort of a bit longer term and a bit more organic, as you, mm-hmm. as you say. Thank you, and wish me luck for Nigeria's match. I think you've got this one. I think Croatia oh. is beatable. I... Okay. <laughs> I like that let me let me let me applaud myself in advance. You are listening to One Step Forward. We are all about stories of working for social good in hard times and tough places. My name is Ian Quick. Thanks for listening. And just a quick reminder, this podcast thing only really works by word of mouth. So if this episode resonated with you, please share with someone you know who might be interested. Rate us on iTunes or anywhere else for that matter. Join the conversation at onestepforward.fm. Thanks and bye for now.